Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan, if that means anything right now. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Thomas. I'm the editor of wolvesblog.com, a fan site and surprisingly dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, yeah, you can get us at uh, Twitter at wolvesblog. Hi, I'm Jake. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's, and I am a Newcastle fan. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, guys, in the middle of a global pandemic. Not to continue to harp on it, but here we go. Um, so uh, the Premier League is finally back in limited training. They did the first round of coronavirus testing, COVID-19 testing. Just six of the 748 players and staff to be tested returned positive results. Considering that percentage, are you guys any more or less confident that, that we will get to see the conclusion of the 2019-20 season? Uh, I was well. I was pretty confident that they would at least attempt it. Um, this just kind of reassures that uh, we'll see if we, the different. I have a different answer for whether we they start back up or get to completion because I still I think they'll get to completion. But you know the percentage. I think the percent chance in my head is much lower. Like probably more like sixty or seventy. Where I'm like five percent chance they're at least going to give it a shot and start back up. So I guess this makes me more confident. But I was already reasonably confident that they'll start. Yeah, I think I'd probably concur with that. Um, I think you, we're using Bundesliga as a kind of a guinea pig, you know, a few weeks ahead of us. I, I think I'm right in saying they had more tests at the equivalent stage. I think they had something like 10. Um, obviously, they've gone on to restart. And uh, yeah, I think the financial implications and the pressure on the Premier League is that much greater that, you know, they, they will definitely, definitely want to start. Um, you know, but as pointed out, you know, getting to the finish line will be a week by week process. And you know, but what what we're looking for, I suppose, that would would derail it is a serious blow up, isn't it? It's um, it's a spread of infection rather than people reporting back with it. Um, but you know, you would hope that the plan that they've got is is about containment, and um, you'd hope that they'd once everyone gets used to it, they they would see it through. Yeah, I think it's gonna gonna make it more likely that they're gonna start up. Um, pretty much on time scale I'd say um they're talking about mid to late June and I think that's pre- pretty um realistic at the moment um not many positive tests which I think is 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 good I think there's another round of testing today that two more players tested positive and I think they were both from Bournemouth so I think it's um they'll probably keep running a few more each time but as, as long as they've got the the protocols in place and they can isolate and um Hopefully, over time, you'll you'll see fewer and fewer positive tests returned. Um, I'm not quite sure if, if the Bundesliga man turned any more between match days. That might be interesting to see if they did that and if they managed to keep everybody keep it a sterile environment. Um, but yeah, that would be the big challenge for the Premier League teams. It's just making sure that players continue to um, follow the protocols both in training and when they're away from training. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to a certain Tottenham player in a in a short while mm. who who was found to to flout those rules. But no, I think it's a positive start. Um, and like Dan says, I, I think they will start up again and that they will um, have a good go at getting to completion. But you know, still still so many unknowns, both in in of, of football and the the world on a wider scale that it's difficult to, to be totally confident they'll manage to get the season finished. But yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good positive step and we've not had many of those recently. So I guess it's something to, to pin your hopes on. For us to work, they just need to test like every couple of days that needs to happen. Otherwise we could get a big spread and 
that would end everything. So I'm assuming they had that capacity because I can't imagine having a restart plan without it. But, you know, that's just something that needs to happen. Yeah, and we're not going to delve into the social aspect of should all of the tests be going to Premier League clubs just so that football can come back. But um, you mentioned uh, the Bundesliga there, Jake. As far as I know, and we did just start a Bundesliga podcast at Bundesliga Pod. Um, <clears throat> as far as I know, there were no reported positives in between the first match week and the second, which just concluded as we record here on Sunday. So hopefully that would be the case in in the Premier League as well, although obviously you can't count on no one getting it ever, but I think the, the hope would be that not that based on all the the policies that are in place, based on um, like the socially distant celebrations, the fact that the benches are all six feet apart, you know, they're training together. <laughs> there, are, there are small things that are a little bit weird, but as long as the processes work, which they seem to have been doing thus far in the Bundesliga, weird though some of them may look or seem. I think there is a level of confidence that once it starts, it would continue to go. But there is always that threat that if, you know, a whole squad gets it, you know, you can't let them play somebody else and all that would have to come. But I do agree with all of you guys. I think it's very likely that it restarts sometime soon. If it's that June 12th, that'll be interesting. So the 8th is apparently when Sarah, uh, not Serie A, when La Liga is meant to restart. We'll see if it's in and around that time, but... Uh, yeah, I definitely think that the sense is that the Premier League will be back this season, which is a thing that I'm sure many of you listening at home are very excited about indeed. So going from something very lighthearted like a global pandemic, we'll move into uh, talking about accounting rules and how they were potentially broken by Manchester City. Uh, the Court of Arbitration for a Sport will be hearing Manchester City's appeal starting on June 8th. Sounds like it'll just be a three or four day affair. Uh, for that to run its course, which means even if the Premier League hit the June 12th date, which has been bandied about, but I don't think has been officially announced in any in, in any meaningful way, it means that at least the hearing would be over and potentially the decision would be made before the return of Premier League football. And I was curious to hear your guys' thoughts on what that could mean for City for the rest of the season if we do get restarted and what it could mean for that whole pack chasing the European spaces since fifth could be a Champions League space and sixth all the way potentially down to eighth or ninth, depending on how the cup stuff ends up working out uh, for European spots could go. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a huge impact if the ban is upheld because I'm assuming everyone is kind of operating under that reality that it will be upheld just because, you know, why not? If, if, if you can go for fifth and it might be a Champions League place, it, as long as you're not making any you know financial decisions based on that, there's no reason not to. Um, if I think it'll be a bigger deal if it's overturned and, the, and that, those spots are no are not Champions League place, but it's only one through four and uh, five through seven. Uh, if that happens, it probably spells the end for Arsenal and Tottenham at Champions League. Um, I think it's already unlikely for them, but that would just really put it another another step out of reach, um, and it would make it would be a big deal for Manchester United and Chelsea because obviously if City is eliminated from the Champions League, then then both of them can get in. But um, if not, then only one. And that's obviously a massive deal for both clubs. So I think if City is, uh, I think if the ban is upheld, it's not going to be a big an impact because we've kind of been assuming that's been the case for a while. But if it's overturned, it'll be a huge, huge change for um, all the clubs, probably four through nine. Yeah, I mean, I State a prediction first. I think it will be overturned. Uh, I think it will entirely? be reduced. In yeah, well, not entirely. They'll get something, probably a fine, probably a really significant fine. Um, I don't know. Don't I don't want to talk about conspiracy theories, but I just feel like that's a club where they can probably make things happen. And I don't know. You know, I don't want to go into that shady kind of area. But put it this way, I'll be surprised if it's upheld to the full, uh, but I'd be less surprised if it was just reduced to a fine and a... Uh, a warning about something like that that's my prediction I, I kind of that's what i've thought all along and i, I maintain that um and that's not just because i'm a wolves fan and i'm pessimistic about you know <laughs> what might happen <laughs> uh, you know the knock on to us but but that said i mean if if they are successful with their appeal and they're back in the champions league then it's kind of it's business as usual um i, I think as um dan pointed out it's it's if it's uh, upheld and they're not in it next year, I think it's a massive shot in the arm to all the teams who kind of would expect to be in the mix for Champions League football. So that's obviously Chelsea and Man United. Uh, Man United at fifth, obviously, at the moment. And, um, you know, even Spurs and Arsenal 
we'll probably look at it then and think, actually, we have a good surge towards the end of the season. Um, you know, we'll we'll make it. Uh, personally, I kind of feel that Man United have got their act together and, and with the players they'll have back and where they were going just before things shut down, I still would have I still would back. You know, Man United probably to finish fifth um, or fourth, and then Chelsea to be the other one. So it'll probably be one of those clubs that that ends up getting affected. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for Sheffield United and Wolves, who are obviously massively flattered to be in the conversation, neither of those teams will have expected it. Um, and the Europa League would be a massive achievement for both of those teams. Wolves to do it two years in a row, and Sheffield United to make it for the the first time, that would still be massive. But obviously, yeah, I mean, the carrot of potentially making that huge leap um, is is incredible. This late in the season still to be there. So it would, it would be disappointing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think all the teams, you know, will are realistic about it. So, uh, but yeah, my, my prediction, as I say, I think I actually do think it will be uh, overturned. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Thomas. I think it's going to be overturned. Um, the, what is happening in football on a wide scale now and in the world is probably the biggest and best distraction for Manchester City and FIFA just to to sweep this one, um, uh, UEFA, sorry, to sweep this one under the rug and just pass this in a very um, nondescript way because it's not going to be the big story in football um, for for very long at all, a matter of hours even. It's it's just not that important anymore. So it's so so much easier to overturn it. Not that I guess the media um, um, scrutiny is really going to influence the um, the the um, Cast, but I think that it it's still it's probably a, a factor that they know that, that it will be easier to overturn this and do it with with little um, little outcry. So I think it probably will be overturned. Um, but if it isn't, it it will. Um, if knowing the 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 outcome of this and knowing that, that the ban wouldn't be overturned for clubs chasing Champions League football, knowing that FIFA would be enough is obviously going to have a, a, a huge carrot approach, um, a cute, huge carrot effect even, um, because if the season had played out before, they wouldn't have known the outcome. They, they, they would have still been focused on fourth, but knowing that before playing all those games is obviously going to have, have an impact. But I'd still say even if it wasn't overturned, I still think that Tottenham still got an outside chance of getting into the top four it's I think what's going to be more important than than the the CAS outcome is going to be how each of those teams deal with the uh the difference in in atmosphere and and environment I think that teams like like um Sheffield and Leicester might not be so effective without fans in the ground especially Sheffield United and I would I Whereas I don't think it would affect Arsenal and, and, and Tottenham as much. And Wolves, I think, are a team that are pretty good away from home. So I guess that's a good indication of how they'll fare with the new environment. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, it's gonna, I think it's going to be overturned. And I think that it's going to be fourth place for Champions League. And, and, and I'd say all those clubs have still got a chance, albeit Arsenal and, and Tottenham's chance will be severely hampered if, if Manchester City are still allowed to go into the Champions League. Yeah, all really good points. I think uh, I'm going to just double down on what I said literally on the show with Dave the day after the decision came out, which is I think it'll be one year and a big fine. I don't think they can backtrack the entire way. I know it isn't Cass that made the ruling, but I don't think they'll backtrack the entire way. I'm thinking it'll be one year and a fine. Could be wrong. Time will obviously tell. Um, yeah, I was I was surprised how pessimistic you were there, Thomas, uh, with Wolves. Lurking right there currently in sixth, just two points back of Manchester United. Um, I do agree with a lot of uh, what you were saying there, Jake, about the teams that could benefit or, or, or be you know, hampered by the fact that there aren't going to be fans. I think what's really interesting is in the Bundesliga show, we were just talking about the fact that on average, 44 plus percent of home teams win. And since the pandemic, obviously just two match weeks at time of recording, but only 16% of home teams are winning, which, you know, obviously very early days to, to be talking about the, the, the statistical significance of that. But at, at an early look, it seems like the absence of home fans is definitely impacting matches as opposed to how before it was impacting things in a positive way. Um, so if you just look down the table to see who has the most home matches left, you'd imagine they would be a little bit disadvantaged by the fact that there won't be fans for any potential resumption uh, of the season through its conclusion, if that does happen. 
I will say for Tottenham, <laughs> the worst case would have been points per game and just calling it a day. We actually would have dropped all the way to ninth. If they had nulled and voided it, we would have been in third from last season and still had a Champions League spot. Or fourth? Did we finish fourth last season? Who knows? <laughs> and, um, if it had been... If, if we're playing to the conclusion of the season, all of a sudden we have Kane, Son, and Bergwijn back, all of whom would have missed until the end of the season, likely, uh, in the previous format. So if the season picks up, I'd actually kind of favor us. We just picked up one point of the last nine uh, with the loss to uh, Chelsea. I think we lost to Southampton. No, it was Wolves. Wolves. Sorry, Thomas. <laughs> I'm sure you were very aware that I was wrong on that. Uh, and then the, the draw with Burnley. But if we had picked up just eight of those rather than one we would have been level with Chelsea if we had picked up all nine we would have actually leapfrogged Chelsea into that that fourth spot so I don't think we're out of it obviously being you know seven points back with nine matches left is not a good place to be Um, but especially if it's fifth and we just have to get up to United and we're only four points behind there uh, then I think we have a real chance but uh, the restart of the season is probably the best thing that could have happened to us because we we were we were faltering pretty heavily and had a lot of injuries. So uh, I don't know why I'm turning this into a thing about Tottenham, but <laughs> probably not surprising to a lot of the listeners at home. But yeah, I, I think it'll be a big thing. I, I don't disagree, Dan, that they were probably already playing as though that was going to be a Champions League place. But I feel like there's a difference between thinking you know and actually knowing that just getting up to that fifth spot would be enough for, for those for those Champions League places. And then, Thomas, you could fight for that Champions League sp- space even if you miss it. Then both Wolves and Sheffield United and the Europa League would be awesome. Obviously, Arsenal would have a chance to sneak back into that conversation as well. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that City do man- end up getting that ban. Sorry, City fans. Uh, but, you know, based on the evidence that's been leaked to the public, it certainly seems like they were guilty of it. And also what it could mean cascading down the table for which teams would be in contention for which things, I think would just bring a lot of intrigue for what would be, would be the remainder of a largely fanless season. All right, uh, now we will move on to something that happened in the latest Premier League shareholders meeting. They unanimously agreed to allow Cubs and clubs and players to sign contract extensions through the end of the playing season rather than what was previously the end date, which was June 30th. But they have to actually sign the extension. So there are rumors that, for example, Jan Vertonghen, who already has interest in pre-contract negotiations elsewhere, might sign one of those rather than signing his extension at the club. And I'm just curious for, for you guys, are there any players at your club that are kind of in this extension limbo at the moment? Um, I don't believe... I don't believe so with extensions. We have loans expiring and someone and we have Saliba coming back from loan, but I don't believe we have anyone um, who is an extension guy um, who will lose lose based on whether they want to sign an extension. The loan thing is really interesting, though. I would uh, assume that that doesn't happen, that? but I don't know. I don't know, because I, I, I think Saliba's back. Like... Um, I I know if the loans they tend to go to a certain date. I don't know if they'll if you know football will find some way to extend them because it's in the that's not the spirit of it, or if they'll go to the letter of the law where you were loaned till this day. If the team wants you wants that loan to end, then it'll end. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, but that'll be interesting. We like I said, we have a couple guys on loan um, that would. I mean, they don't play major minutes, but well, Sabios could be playing major minutes. Yeah. So that's meaningful. Um, so yeah, that, that is probably the more interesting part for Arsenal as opposed to, uh, extensions. And, uh, as far as I know, we don't have a solution to that. So I guess keep an eye on that. We'll find out. Yeah. Nothing really major happening at Wolves. Our reserve goalkeeper, John Ruddy, has already been extended. Wolves had an option on another year. So they just called in that option to roll that over until defer the problem until next season. Um, which is good for us because we've been linked with Loris Carrius. And uh, I would rather swerve that bullet. So um, John Ruddy for me for another year <laughs> makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, but other than that, I think all our players are tied down to contracts. So it's um, yeah, it's all all neat and tidy in the uh, West Midlands. It is not neat and tidy <laughs> at Newcastle. <We've>, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking now. We've got four loans that are going to expire, and uh, six players out of contract. So yeah, it's not it's not looking great. That's, that's ten players gone. Um, 
the lone ones are probably the bigger ones for us because you'd have Lazaro, Bentaleb and Rose all leaving. Um, and they're probably three starters or at least um, three players that would play on most match days. Um, Bentaleb off the bench maybe, but you know, they'd all play significant minutes over the rest of the season. Um, Willem's not so much. He's injured. I think he's injured till um, later this year. So that's not, that's not too big of an issue. You've also got uh, Mankio. Andy Carroll and Matty Longstaff all out of contract at the end of the year. Um, I think Carroll's got a clause that he can extend it if he plays so many minutes. But at this point, I don't think he's five minutes. So that's he might squeeze those minutes in in June and get a new contract. But I'm not sure where that one's going. We've also got uh, Rob Elliott and Carl Darlow out of contract. That's our, our two sub keepers. So, you know, we could go on with just Dubravka, but I'm not sure we have any other keeper. So that could be a risk. Um, yeah, it's not looking great. I'm, I'm sure some of those would probably um, agree to a, a new contract. Um, I think the difficulty of Newcastle at the moment, you don't know who's going to own the club when the Premier League restarts. So I'm not sure there's a great lot of work being done on keeping these players, um, keeping these players at the club. Like Matty Longstaff should be one that's obviously we want. And I think that they've tried to keep him in the past, but I don't think it was a deal that's been signed and he's spoken to. Clubs in Europe, so I'm not sure where that is at. It might be one that gets sorted if, if a takeover goes through, but that is yet to happen. So, yeah, it's a, it's confusing. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody who works for Newcastle at this point could even give a new contract, if, even if they wanted to. So, yeah, we've got a lot of players going out, but we've not really got a lot to play for. So, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll muddle through whatever happens. But, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine at least one of the keepers and Mankio getting a... a temporary extension but yeah I can't see any of the rest of them getting it um, and hopefully we can keep the loan players at the club which I'm sure loans will probably be more straightforward to keep at a club mm. than, than players expiring yeah I will say uh, I cannot even imagine what the dressing room would be like if Danny Rose randomly showed back up again post uh, <laughs> post delay due to coronavirus and it was just like hey it's me that guy that leaked all that stuff to the media and I'm back now um, so I would imagine we would prefer him to stay at Newcastle uh, in terms of Tottenham it's just Vertonghen and Michelle Vorm in the senior squad um, Vorm it sounds like might transition into a coaching role either with us or not with us Vertonghen is the big one it, it kind of if I had to guess right now I'd say he's probably moving to a club in Italy and would not ever play another match for us again which would be very sad for us to have missed his kind of final moments with the club he's given us some great great moments since well, I want to say 2012 maybe man yeah he's he's been here for quite some time his pace has gone this year so uh, it, it might be about time for him to take a step down, but obviously love him a whole lot as a player, and, and he'll be sorely missed if he does leave and miss the remainder of the season just because of this weird arbitrary thing. But if he does, you know, if he, he wanted a two-year contract from us, we were only offering basically one-year rolling. If he was able to get a two-year contract somewhere else and he just wants to make sure that he's fit for whoever he goes to next, I don't think anybody would particularly begrudge him. It would just be a little sad and unfortunate for for fans but it's hard to uh you know be mad about him for for just trying to secure his future like that hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. All right, uh, next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about the transfer window. So... <laughs> Obviously, uh, we're we're blazing right into when the summer transfer would have ha- transfer window would have happened. Um, best estimates: we're going to restart there in June, as we said. Hopefully, finish early August or by August. 
But the floating rumor is that the Premier League is meant to start either late August or early September, which leaves a very narrow, air quotes, summer window. So curious to hear from you guys what your thoughts are, are, are on the transfer window. There's been talk about potentially just having it open during the season. Is it just going to be that weird three-week period? How do you think the transfer window should happen this, air quotes, summer? Uh, I cannot imagine it'll be a three-week period. That sounds like a horrible, horrible idea. Um, so I both do not think that will be that way and really hope it's not. Um, as far as what will actually happen, I really I have no clue because no one has any clue what's happening in anything right now. But um, as a, I think I would think leaving it open from first, you know, insert number here, month, month and a half, whatever uh, of the season is probably the easiest way to do but obviously, even that is a bit, a bit problematic um, because having it go stretch that far into the season, you know, changes a lot. But at some point, it's there's no perfect way, so it's going to have to be picking whatever imperfect solution is um, the best. So you know, without putting that much thought into it, that's probably my preferred solution. But again, I see there are a lot of flaws with that. Uh, so. I have no idea what will happen, and as far as what should happen, I think that's a fine idea considering what we're working with. But uh, happy to, you know, hear another solution. I think I think they've just got to open it up um, all season. Um, when you look at the financial implications, this is going to have not just on the Premier League but the, the Football League. Teams need to be able to generate income throughout the season, and uh, you know, and. and one of the ways to do that is to is to sell players. You know, if if uh, if if Wolves were in some kind of financial strife and you know they can get attract a massive fee from someone for a, a key player, then they would want the ability to do that. And I think the the win not having the window um, will probably make some of those deals a bit easier um, because people aren't sort of getting muscled because they're worried about the the window shutting, closing on them, not having the players and you know, I think it just makes sense, doesn't it? I just I can't see any other solution that's viable. Um, it helps sort out contracts, and yeah, I think I think it's better. And I think the whole transfer window thing has been diminishing. Like the people are spending their money in a wiser way. So I think the, the transfer window has actually served the purpose of making clubs more, um, you know, financially intelligent about the deals they do and don't do. Um, so now might actually be a time to just say, you know, let's just get rid of it and then let's um, let's let teams sort it out throughout the season. It does add a an element of interest um, throughout the season. So I'll, I'd be up for just bringing it back and and um, keeping it that way. Yeah, I, th- I think they're probably going to try and find a way to keep it uh, to keep it as it is. To be honest, like from what I've read from people that know a lot more, it seems to be that seems to be the way to go. And I think. I don't think it it would be realistic to keep open all, all season long. I think that you'd get, I, I think players have too much power for that now, and it does have a, a big impact on squads. Um, I've seen it at Newcastle before. As soon as a, a transfer window closes, um, players do seem to to play a little bit better, and, and there's no players going on strike. We've had that a lot. Newcastle players going on strike to four three moves. I think. Probably the most famous one was Kabai. Uh, went on strike, didn't get a move to Arsenal, and then came back into the team, did pretty well after six months before moving on. So I think having the window open might cause a few more players to, to go on strike, and I'm not sure if I'd quite like to see that. Uh, I, th- I agree with Thomas. If they're going to get rid of the window, this is the perfect opportunity to do it. I think that probably the most logical thing, if you're going to try and squeeze next season, so close to, to the current one, is is to maybe leave the window open until Feb, until the end of the January window, whenever that was meant to be, and then keep it open until then, and then close it. And then you obviously there'll be no, not as much disruption during the running of the season. But it's it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. So it's, it's it's very impossible to get dates out there for the transfer window. I'd I'd assume that a lot of work on players, especially out of contracts, has probably been going in over the last few weeks. Anyway, I'm sh- assuming um, they. They're, the agents there know which clubs are interested in those deals to be quite quick to do. I'm not sure if there's going to be a lot of big money moves this summer anyway, so maybe you could get away with a, a four or five week window. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be carnage as Dan said. This is, I'm not sure I like the idea of it staying open all the time, but I think till January would be fine. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an impossible one. But you've got to get a window in there somehow, or or change the the window completely and have it open for a longer period because there's going to be a lot to do. There's going to be a lot of players out of contract. There's going to be a lot of teams changing squads. There's going to be a lot of teams changing the the wages they can give to players. That might mean. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of movement, especially you know in the free agents alone. So you're going to have a, to need time to do that. So it's it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to. I think what they're going to go for is probably like a five week window and maybe leave it open for the first couple of weeks of the of the, of the season. But yeah, I think I think maybe going to the end of January might be the, the better solution that sort of keeps the window intact, but also gives clubs time to get their squad side and time to bring in revenue. Um, especially clubs lower down the, the footballing pyramid, that might be uh, the best solution for mm. and, and the most fair solution. Sky Sports in absolute shambles at us discussing the idea of no formal deadline day. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, with a lot of the points you guys just made. It just seems impossible to try to confine it in between the two seasons if if the window is going to be that tight. And by that, I mean the window between the two seasons, not the air quotes transfer window. Also, how are teams going to make it all the way out to like Australia or whatever <laughs> to do their preseason? But <laughs> maybe that's an issue that definitely won't happen for another day. Um, also, potentially should have mentioned this earlier while we were in kind of the, the midst of all the serious uh, COVID talk. But in terms of players returning, they've been allowed to obviously small training. Uh, I think it's five per small group. Uh, so that even if a small group gets it, it wouldn't expand to the whole rest of the squad. Some players already not particularly fond of this. Um, and Golo Kante uh, apparently doesn't want to be involved because of health issues. I think I've already seen a picture of him in training, um, but it sounds like Lampard and Chelsea have backed him in his uh, concern about returning this early. Troy Deeney, on the other hand, just very publicly said, I'm not going back. And he had a really good quote um, after the meeting that they had uh, with the Premier League, where they mentioned that playing in a match will be safer than going to the grocery store, to which Troy Deeney allegedly said, uh, I can choose whether or not to go to the grocery store. So I'm just curious to hear you guys' thoughts. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about whether or not the players were kind of being left out of the discourse, and now it seems like we've finally gotten to the return point, at least for training, and that, since the players haven't really had much of a voice here, they're having to make their voice heard by their presence or not. Just curious to hear you guys' thoughts on on either how those two have handled it or uh, player power in general in regards to the situation? Uh, considering the uncertainty in the situation, I kind of think that anything is fair. Um, like not wanting to go back, totally get that. As he said, I can choose to not go store, or as he allegedly said, he can choose not to go to the grocery store. If you don't think it's safe, fair. I mean, it's literally a pandemic. Um, so I, if, if you want to go back and it's been deemed to be at least pretty safe, then fair enough. Um, but if you don't want to go back because you don't believe it's safe, I get that too. Uh, totally understand the decisions and uh, really uh, any decision, as long as you don't, you know, you don't go ridiculous break in quarantine, any decision that has been okayed by um, the Premier League and the, and the uh, governing bodies, uh, I think is fine and totally valid. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm on the same page as Dan there. Um, I think, um, you know, you've got to give people the right to opt out. What that means in terms of their contract, I don't know whether there'd be any implications, whether they should even be expected to, you know, to, to there should be any kind of penalty or wages not paid. I don't know. That I suppose that would be, need to be worked out. Um, might possibly cause a grey area if, if sport's going ahead and it's deemed safe and they to do so and then they choose to opt out. You know, what does that mean? Um, yeah, but it'll be, it'd be interesting. I think it should definitely be a choice that each individual can make on its own merits. Um, and I think Troy Deeney, someone I'm not massive fan of um, as, a, as an individual, but I, I do respect what he said and how he put across his arguments, um, you know, and the, the, he, the concerns he raised at, at the meeting of the players that he didn't feel adequately addressed. Um, so he, he has the right to pull out, um, as does Kante, as does um, anyone else. So it'd be just interesting to see as things ramp up, whether... You know, a significant number of other players pull out. Um, the, the the line that's normally trotted out is players want to play. So I I probably expect, particularly with them watching what's going on in Germany, that the vast majority um, will be out there when this thing restarts. Yeah, I think I agree with Dan and Thomas as well. I think that if any player doesn't want to play, they should have the right to opt out and and 
I wouldn't like to hear or read about any um, players not being paid or um, any further action being taken against them. I, I mean, that would make me a bit uncomfortable. Um, but I think there's a way to go about it and maybe you should maybe discuss it with your club first and go through that instead of just announcing it to the world. Maybe Deeney did uh, go through the club, but it seemed the way the Kante thing was managed was a, a lot better. Because um, at the end of the day, you are, play, you are paid by the football club. So, you know, reporting to training in the first place, going through your tests and then maybe getting it squared then might be better. Because um, although I agree that they should have the option to opt out, you know, there'll be a lot of the fans that are wanting football to come back, have their own jobs and, and are being made to go back to work and they don't have that option to opt out. Because obviously the different, differing financial um, positions of, of the two people, but it, it, it does come across, it can come across a little bit. Um, arrogant sort of opt out of it like that it's, I think there's a way to go about it but I think there should definitely be that option um, but yeah I, I, I think as Thomas says I, I think I mentioned it the last time I was on, on the podcast I, I listened to her I think with Sean Dyche was talking about the return of football and he was saying everybody at Burnley was, was looking forward to it and he couldn't imagine any of the players there having a problem uh, players just want to play football and if you can provide an environment that is safe and passed uh, by the government in the Premier League then players will be all for that and, and um would back it and, and want to play. So I'd imagine the the vast majority would would return and play um, if it was deemed safe to do so and, and there was uh, protocols put in place. But yeah, I think there should be an option, a way to opt out. But I think that you should also about in a certain way as well, um, just to have respect for for, for your your employers, the the league as a whole, and the other football players. I think it, it, it's just right to to go about it in a certain way. Uh, that's the only thing I'd say on, on the Deeney thing. Yeah, it definitely seems like a personal decision that's kind of being called by huge corporations. But as you say, Jake, that that's happening to everyday people as well. So I'm curious to see what the league will look like day one um, if we fully return and some players are sitting out. And on a personal level, hard to question their personal motives. As far as the sporting aspect goes, if Watford go down because Troy Deeney doesn't come back or some something like that were to happen what's the fallout it's it's just going to be a very tough situation on the whole but this whole thing is a tough situation so as we kind of talked about throughout the whole show hard to say we'll kind of see as everything transpires um we'll end with a little bit of a high note the bundesliga has returned we've obviously started a show about it is this the third time i've plugged it at bundesliga pot um but it's been really interesting to see live football back and all of the things that have come with it, at least from a viewing experience with no fans, being able to hear everything on the pitch. This week, some broadcasters chose to put in crowd noise, but you have social distancing on the bench. But if they go on the pitch, they're out there with 22 other players, some of which from different clubs in different areas. Just curious to get your guys' thoughts on, on the return of the Bundesliga, especially if you've been able to catch a few of the matches. Uh, yeah, I've watched um, both weeks so far, and it was less weird than I thought it would be. Like, I kind of get used to the no fans and everything after a couple minutes. Um, I didn't get to watch the Leipzig Mainz game, but apparently they're crowd noise. So I don't know how that went, but yeah. that's, that's a decision. Um, yeah, if anyone has input, please let me know. But I, I didn't see it, but I know that's a thing that I guess they may do. Um, but I didn't think it was that weird. It was nice to have football back. Um, yeah, uh, it was good. I would be totally fine if the Premier League came back with no fans. Like I said, I got to it pretty quickly. Um, and football, football, it's fun to watch. It's more fun to watch with fans, but even without fans, I find it quite fun, quite enjoyable. So, you know, very happy to have it back. Yeah, I, I haven't watched uh, much of the Bundesliga. I've seen a couple of highlights, but I haven't, I haven't been watching the matches. Uh, I think I'm storing up enough wife credit so that I can go full in on the Premier League, particularly if they start staggering the matches and showing them every day. I'm going to have plenty in the bank for that, so I haven't got on the, um, the Bundesliga bandwagon. But I would say the Wolves were actually the last team to play, Premier League team to play a game of football before this all wound down, I believe, in the Europa League. We went over to Olympiakos uh, on the Thursday night and then everything got shut down on the Friday and we played a game behind closed doors in Greece. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's strange, but I wouldn't say it significantly diminished my enjoyment of watching that game. I didn't want Wolves to win any less. Um, I did still have implications on how games pan out. Uh, my thought is that the, it, it's to the benefit of the better teams. 
because I think if you have a, a flat environment, so a completely level playing field, undoubtedly, I think the best players benefit from that. Uh, I think there are certain players individually within that who feed off a crowd and tend to do better. I can think of some in the Wolves team. I think Jota is a, is a prime example. Um, he really feeds off um, you know, the, the energy of a home crowd and the disdain of a, an away crowd, you know, and, and it, it pumps his game up to another level. So I can see players like that suffering in a, in a flat atmosphere. Um, but from a viewing perspective, um, I'd just be happy to have it back. I don't think I'd, it'd be interesting to see the crowd noise piped in and what, what kind of impact that has. I think it hopefully might be able to increase some intensity to the, the viewing experience, but I would probably just stick it on mute and then, you know, just talk, <laughs> talk with someone or, or do something to just try and sort of forget about it. Because quite often I'll go to the pub and you're talking to someone while you're watching the match, and which I suppose you can't do this time. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'd just be happy to have it back. And it wouldn't really bother me if this season was was, was played completely behind closed doors and, and some, of, some of next season. I enjoy the game and um, I enjoy watching it in whatever format uh, is available. Yeah, I've been watching a bit of it. Uh, I've been watching uh, most of the games I've watched. I've watched on mute anyway, so I wouldn't even be able to tell what was happening with the, with crowd noises. I think I got bored of Steve McManaman about ten minutes into the first game I watched, and that was me done. I was I, I didn't want the commentary, so I, I watched it without. So the crowd noise thing hasn't been effectively, but it, you know, it, I'd much rather than football come back with fans uh, for the atmosphere and just. Uh, the effect they have on matches. I think, and I also think it's a game for fans, so. It's you know, it's better if they're there, but obviously, if you can't, I'd rather have football without fans than not have football at all. So I guess the trade-off you've got there. But yeah, I think a lot of the other things with the Bundesliga, such as the subs sitting two minutes apart, is probably more marketing than it is for public, uh, for the safety of the players. Um, they need to be seen to be adhering to all the the, the uh, protocols that the the public are uh, also um, following. So I think it's probably more of a marketing thing than anything else. But it's not really that weird. Uh, they still warm up together. I, I, I think I've seen like eight or nine players behind a goal during a game. So yeah, they're, they're still doing all of that. So it, it's not it's not really detracted from my enjoyment at all. Um, and I've also I, I, I've also uh, followed a lot of people in picking a German team, and and, and they've won both games by a score of seven nil. So that's kind of a uh, improved my enjoyment. Although I have very little emotional attachment to any of those goals going in. It's just something I guess to break up the mundane life of lockdown so that, that was quite cool but I think more on what Thomas said uh, there will be players that suffer but I also think there's going to be a lot of players that gain without having crowds there I can think of somebody in the Newcastle team that is probably going to score a few goals if the football does come back and that is jo- Joe Ellington I think that he looks like the type of player that just absolutely caves in um, when he's got the pressure on him all, all the all the people in the stadium I think he might benefit from it. I think I read a piece on Athletic this week. They were talking about certain players um, being training ground players and maybe they would benefit from the crowd not being there. Those that suffer anxiety, um, sort of being able to do it in front of a crowd. Uh, a few managers in the Football League were quoted as saying uh, within the piece saying that they, they their team selection would change um, if it was without fans because certain players would benefit from that, which is just crazy. So it'd be interesting to see if the the Premier League does come back if certain players just suddenly become amazing overnight and then just disappear again when when, when fans come back in. That'll be an interesting thing to, to follow. But it's it's going to be different and it's going to impact some teams. But as I've said before, it, some teams are going to suffer whatever happens now. Even if tomorrow you could have four stadiums, there'd be some teams complaining that this break affected them to get relegated or miss out on the top four. So, you know, somebody's going to suffer. Uh, it's just the reality of, of, of the situation we're in. But yeah, be interesting to see it come back. And But the, the lack of fans, um, at least for me, watching on te- the television wouldn't have much of an impact, but I'd much rather they were there. But yeah, it's, it's not going to make me enjoy the, watching the games any less. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, <laughs> I have been celebrating some goals. I have uh, been chosen a club in Bayer Leverkusen, uh, up the mighty Leverkusen, as I'm sure they don't say. Um, but uh, uh, I agree that the Bundesliga being back is is a very fun thing to watch, although I, I do get excited by the goals. Um, and, and I think 
the idea that that could be Tottenham rather than an adopted team just makes me really excited. And I do hope that I get to see that again this season, even if there aren't fans in the stadiums, obviously that is very unfortunate and it is weird without fans in the stadiums, but obviously as a fan in the States, most of what I watched isn't going to be impacted by the fact that there aren't um, fans in the stadiums, not to take that away, obviously from the match going public, who I'm sure uh, would have a much tougher time of it, but I'm used to watching it through my TV and based on camera angles, there are times when you don't really even know if they're not there. Although sometimes uh, when a ball is hit particularly hard, you can hear it echo off of all four sides of the stadium, <laughs> the Bundesliga, which is a little surprising and sometimes might wake people up from their football naps, hypothetically speaking. But uh, yeah, I, I personally can't wait for it to, to, to be back. Um, Yes, some players will struggle, some players won't. Form will be affected. We talked about this on the Bundesliga show that uh, there's everybody talks about how unfair it would be if the season just ended, but there's also a level of unfairness if it restarts because, like I mentioned with Tottenham, all of a sudden, if you're a team that's playing Tottenham and you thought you were going to get to play them without Kane, Son, or Bergfein, and all of a sudden they have all three back, would you not have been in a better position before all that happened in the Bundesliga with Lewandowski, who wouldn't have been back yet, uh, but is obviously scoring for Bayern Munich, so... There really isn't an ideal, entirely fair solution, but I'm just hoping that we get the solution that leads to us getting to see the conclusion of the 1920 season rather than it just concluding, as has happened in a lot of other countries already. Uh, we do have a very, very little amount of time left, so we can talk about it if you want, Jake. You can lead in on this since you brought it up in the pre-show, but footballers' hairstyles, some of them we thought were bald. Turns out it was just a choice. What do you make of all of this and also Serge Aurier breaking quarantine for a third time just so that he knows he has a fresh haircut when he gets to show up to training for the first time in two months? Yeah, I, I've, I've been shocked by some of the, the, the hairstyles that have come out. I think Mane's is the one that's, that's gained a lot of traction on social media. I, I think the biggest surprise for me was, was um, Ashley Young, although not in the Premier League anymore. It was just weird to see him with hair because I'm pretty sure I've, I, don't, I don't think I ever recall seeing him with hair before. Um, Maybe he did have it once upon a time, but I really don't remember that. <laughs> so that was just weird. Um, he definitely seemed like he was bowled by, not by choice, but apparently he, it was completely by choice or he's had time to go and get a hair transplant. But yeah, it's just been weird because I think the thing with um, watching football is like they're never really off season. Like even during the summer, you still get to see, there's still normally tournament football. There's... Um, photos that go on on social media um you know uh, interviews going on so they're always sort of there so they don't have that big period of time just to suddenly change their appearance but this 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 lockdown has, has given them the time to do that and some of them has just been just been weird it, it yeah I, I don't know what what they've been doing like what has Manny been doing in lockdown to suddenly just lose all his hair i don't i don't know it's it's bizarre but it's quite funny uh and also on the Serge Aurier thing um you know, if, if you could pick a player most likely to break lockdown, it would probably be him. So, yeah, it's not, <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's not really going to be punished purely because there's not really any any other right back foot Spurs to, to do his job. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he'll be fine. But it, it, it does, it, it tallies with his character. So, yeah, it, at least he's maintaining his image, uh, lacking discipline, even though he can't get booked or give away silly penalties. So that's nice. Rude, but also very fair. I know that was wrong. Uh, was it? Uh, I don't know if you've seen Aubameyang's hair, but it is similar to Mane's. The fact that I think they've always had uh, less than ideal hairlines, but they kind of just kept it styled. So you either didn't notice at all or you, like, your focus was drawn to a different part of the hair. But now that they can't get it styled, it just, you, you see the hairline for what it is. And both of them, you, you rough. Uh, sorry, guys. Rough. Um, I feel you, but rough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if this was a Zoom call, I certainly wouldn't be making any uh, comments on people's hair. You'd be able to see mine. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Mane and Aubameyang just need to let it go. I think uh, they would look infinitely better if they were just grade one, as we call it in the UK. Uh, sides and back but um but yeah it's, it's interesting to see you know people go one way don't they they go all off or or let it grow and um it's interesting to see because someone like Ashley Young for instance he could just easily shave his head 
you know, there's no <laughs> stopping him maintaining the style he's already had. It's almost like he didn't want to miss out on the fun. So he just, uh, you know, let it grow. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm not one to, uh, to pass too much judgment on people's hair choices because I'm starting to look like, uh, Emmett Brown from back to the future. So, um, yeah, I think I'll just leave it there. <laughs> what a reference. Um, yes, agree. <laughs> a lot of us not rocking our optimal hairstyles right now. Uh, but yeah, it has been a little interesting to see. Also, if any of you can go out and find the picture of Conte with hair, it is one of the weirder things you might ever see in your life. Um, but we will wrap things up on that lighter note. Uh, if you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, although that seems unlikely given the global pandemic, uh, feel free to do so now. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm still Dan, and you can still get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on, as always, guys. Um, yeah, not much happening in Wolves log at the moment, unfortunately. I've been very lazy. Uh, but as and when the season kind of heats up, if, uh, if your team's playing Wolves, you can uh, log on to wolvesblog.com or get us on Twitter at wolvesblog uh, to, to get an insight from the uh, Wolves perspective. Yeah, thanks for listening. You can get me on Twitter at jjackman with two ends. Uh, I've not got much going on at the moment either, but I, I will be recording a championship show this week, even tomorrow or uh, Tuesday, so that will be out soon. So give that a listen. It'll be, I think there's more updates from the championship as well, similar to the testing. So we'll probably discuss that. Fantastic news to hear about the championship pod. Also, Thomas, I would hope that Wolves fans would also check out your site, <laughs> not just people that will play them. But uh, with the championship pod, that means this week we'll have a Premier League show, a championship show, and a Bundesliga show all coming out at EPL Roundtable, at Championship Pod, and at Bundesliga Pod, respectively. Be sure to check all of those out, uh, especially as we start to hit this, what seems like a ramp-up period, but, you know, I won't speak for the championship guys who will talk about the EFL decision, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for listening. You can find us at EPL Roundtable. You can find me personally at Kevroth. Uh, we're glad to have anybody listening that still is, as we're kind of in this weird sporting hiatus, but... We hope all of you at home are staying safe, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 